The past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the ministry of John the Baptist. Today, we're going to be talking about John doing what he did best, baptizing. As sacred of a rite as baptism is, it has actually been a topic of much controversy and division inside of the church. So for the sake of today, we're not going to be discussing how to properly get baptized or the theology behind baptism or anything of that sort. The first question I want to address, though, is why do people get baptized? For us, it is a command that is so familiar throughout the New Testament. Jesus commands us to be baptized. So that's the first thing we need to know when it comes to why we need to get baptized. Why people get baptized? Because Jesus commands us to be baptized. The second thing is that baptism is death to an old way of living and birth into Christ's way of living. Now we've already talked about repentance, and so we're not going to go over all that again, but baptism is a physical sign that a person has chosen to repent from their sin. For the sake of today's message, that's it. That's all I'm going to say about the topic of baptism and why we need to go about doing it. Well, in the days of John the Baptist, baptism was not typically meant for Israelites. It was intended for Gentiles who converted to Judaism. And that is the bizarre thing about John's ministry, is that it seems as though a large portion of his ministry was devoted to Israelites, Jews specifically. There were probably Gentiles within the mix of John's, uh, the people that John baptized. But as far as we know, when we look at the disciples of John, whom he specifically, at least we assume he baptized, we have people like Andrew, we have people like Philip, who are distinctly Jewish. So within our text, something interesting happens. The Pharisees show up. And odds are their presence indicates a number of things. For one, we have noted that they were curious as to who John was. They inquired of his identity. Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Are you the Messiah? Who are you? Why would such a question rile John up the way that it did? I mean, you remember what the scripture says about what John said to the Pharisees. But my guess is that John was upset over their, wasn't upset over their inquiry, rather he was upset over their attitudes. Now imagine John is at the Jordan River. The people coming to him to be baptized are probably from one of two camps. We already mentioned them already, but I'm going to give you a little bit more detail right now. <clears throat> Number one being Jews who are sinners, and by that I don't mean in the typical sense that everybody's a sinner, but in the respect that these Jews were not currently holding the law of Moses. They weren't trying to live the way that the Jewish community was supposed to live. And uh, because of that, they needed to be baptized. They needed to repent. Where the typical Jewish person who was following the law of Moses felt no need to have to repent. And the second camp of people that would have been baptized would have been the Gentiles. And of course, they would have been converting from one religion to another one. Well, the Pharisees arrived, and they saw John laying his hands on these unclean people as he dunked them in the water. The Pharisees probably had no compassion whatsoever for either one of these groups. They probably would have thought something along the lines of, 
Who are they to think this act of baptism would cleanse them? Do they not know that only the law of Moses could make them right with God? And what are these filthy, sinful Jewish people, what are they doing? Why do they believe they can be forgiven of their sins? Do, not, do they not know that only God can forgive them of their sins? But here they are at the Jordan being baptized as if that means something. Well, you better believe that when these people left the Jordan River and went back to living life, the Pharisees were probably watching them like hawks just waiting for that moment they could clasp them in their talons when they make a mistake and say you see you're still just as bad still just as sinful as you always were now that's just speculation and yes i'm just speculating because that's not something that says expressly in scripture i'm speculating because john was not too happy with the pharisees just read what he had to say to them you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. He chastised them as though... Their presence, their mere presence, was an affront to his ministry. My estimation was, is that he was exactly correct. There they were, a bunch of sinners of all stripes, ready to start a new life. And I want you to highlight the words of John, by the way, when he says, Do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Do you see what's happening? So you have all these sinful people. And it appears as though there must have been Gentiles present at the Jordan. Because why else would John make this appeal saying, Don't you dare claim that we have Abraham as our father because God can make children of Abraham out of anything that he wants to. So John was wanting the Pharisees to realize that they were truly no better than the people he was baptizing. But they were mocking these broken people who wanted to change the course of their own lives. To us, we don't always feel the gravity of baptism. I have a pastor friend here in town who came from another country. He became a Christian while he was over here in the United States. And when he notified his family that he wanted to get baptized, they disowned him. They no, longer, they no longer wanted him to identify with them if he chose to follow Jesus. That's how powerful of a symbol baptism is. These Gentiles that were presumably there were leaving their polytheistic religion to honor the God of Israel. This was a big deal. John wanted the Pharisees to know that it was actually not so much the Gentiles and not so much these sinful Jews that need to be baptized, but perhaps the Pharisees need to be baptized more than these people. Well, then we move on to verses 11 and 12 of Matthew. This is where it starts to get really interesting. John tells them, I baptize, I baptize you with the water of repentance, 
But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So how do we understand this? Consider everything that John had said. Produce fruit worthy of repentance. John said that he baptized with water. Messiah will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Messiah will gather the wheat and burn up the chaff. So he's warning them. He is telling them that his own baptism that he administers actually has no power. It prepares people for what the Lord would do. John's baptism, and I hope nobody gets offended by this, but John's baptism was the equivalent of giving someone a bath. A very meaningful bath, but a bath, no less. Jesus' baptism would actually have power. The Holy Spirit would test people's hearts and purge their wicked deeds with the flames of righteousness. All that would be spared would be the fruits of repentance. Now wait. He just told the Pharisees that they had no fruit of repentance. So Messiah gathers the wheat and burns up the chaff. Guess what? Bye-bye, Pharisees. You had no fruit of repentance. You'll perish. For all those who are listening, don't let that happen to you. Repent and bear the fruits of repentance. After this, we are given an extreme contrast where Jesus came to get baptized by John. Remember, we had the Pharisees who didn't think that they need baptized. Now we have Jesus asking to be baptized. The Pharisees thought that they didn't need to get baptized. They didn't think they needed to repent. Nor did they need the waters to cleanse them. Jesus came to get baptized. And John's response was, I need to be baptized by you. You see, John understood. He was a humble man. He wasn't self-righteous. He was aware that he was as sinful as anyone else. But here comes the Messiah asking me to baptize him. (laughs) It's just like Jesus to do something like this. He likes to surprise us with the unexpected. And he's good at it because our minds are so sinful and corrupt that we can barely tell up from down. We're, we're glad that we're able to know up from down. In fact, in John 13, Jesus told his disciples that he was going to wash their feet. And this is something that a servant would do to the people that he is serving. And Peter actually picked up on this. And when Jesus came to him to wash his feet, he says, No, Lord, never. You'll never wash my feet because he understood that he should have been washing Jesus' feet. But then Jesus said, If I don't wash your feet, then I can have nothing to do with you. You can have nothing to do with me. So Jesus' response to John the Baptist was, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. John was then blessed with an incredible vision. I don't know if it was 
merely a vision given to him or if it's something that everybody was able to see. But John's gospel happens to indicate that John the Baptist did specifically see this sign. Heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It is interesting that Jesus had to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. After all, didn't we just say that only egregious sinners and Gentiles needed baptized? Jesus didn't have sin. This makes no sense. Even John didn't think that this made any sense at all. Oh, but it did make sense. There's all sorts of theology that we could debate on relating to this event, but think of it this way. Yes, Jesus had no sin. Everyone else John baptized were sinners. Essentially, when the people were baptized, they were physically being cleansed of the dirt on their skin. So think of this dirt kind of in the same respect as we would think of sin. So they, they got dirt on their skin, on their skin. They're being baptized. They're being baptized in water. The water takes the dirt off their skin. And that dirt ends up where? In the water. And along came Jesus, who was already clean, the only one who was truly clean. And he could only be made dirty by bathing in the Jordan. That's exactly the point. In this simple little act, Jesus fulfilled all righteousness because his was not a baptism of repentance, but, of a big word, propitiation. To explain what propitiation is, he took upon the filth of everyone else and would carry it all the way to the end of his journey, bearing the sins of the entire world, and his Father was pleased in him for doing so. I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. My name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. You can join us on Sundays for our services at 1030. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.